took a uh, few weeks here uh, working through John chapter 17 and looking at this uh, prayer that Jesus prayed. And as we uh, said a few weeks ago, we call uh, the Lord's Prayer, which when he taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer. But really, this is the Lord's Prayer because we're actually getting an inside look about how Jesus prayed and what he prayed for. And what we're finding is that these things that he was praying for are indicators or marks of those who are going to follow him. First, for the disciples and then for those who would believe after them. So that would put us into that category that there would be certain things that mattered to Jesus. If you're here with us last few weeks, we looked at some of these things that mattered to him, uh, specifically God's glory and unity and joy, holiness, to, to be sanctified with truth. These, these things are uh, identified as things that would set us apart from maybe the way the rest of the world would, would live. As Ryan illustrated, there's a difference between something in your hand that's alive, like uh, I think, what'd you say, a hamster was or something, a gerbil or something like that, and, and a rock, okay? Uh, you can tell the difference. There's something uniquely different about those things. And, and that would be true for us. If we are to say that we are following in Jesus, or we are Christ followers, or we believe in him, then there would be indicators, there'd be marks that would be different than maybe those around us. Well, Jesus is going to kind of wrap up this prayer, <clears throat> and there's going to be two more elements that he's going to add to the list. And this morning, we'll take the time to look at this, this idea of mission and love. So, Whoops, don't want to hit that. Sorry, Jeff. Move that just back a little bit there. All right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 17. We're going to uh, wrap up this last this chapter here, starting in verse 18. Jesus, again, is praying. And as he says, he, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrated myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Do not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and that they may be one, just as, I, as, just as you, Father, in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that, they, that, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You're going to, again, see some constant themes just over and over again. You see that constant theme of the fact is that uh, Jesus and God were one, and we are to be one because of the sense that they were one and the Holy Spirit is one. There's a sense of unity. We've talked about that, but it continues on as he prays this. It's a, a theme that runs throughout. Also talking again about sanctifying with truth, that there is a, a holiness, a truth part element of this as well. But in verse 18, he uses this idea that says, as you have sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. When we use this idea of the word mission, it literally is mean to, to send, to dispatch. And this concept, this idea that mission is something that is sending us into, sending us forward. Even if you fact of think about the idea of Jesus himself being incarnated, the fact that he came as a man, he was sent by God. He just didn't sit at the, at the height of the mountain waiting for us to ascend to him, but he sent his son to us to, to get into our world, to, to live in, in, in some of our difficulties and messes and struggles and to experience the, the, the idea of tiredness or even uh, to, to experience betrayal, all these types of things that, that we know and experience. Jesus experienced because he was sent forth. He was on mission. 
Jesus' prayer clearly tells us that it was designed that way, that God had intentionality, and so there would be intentionality for us as well. And again, this is why we've talked about this concept. You know, we can, we can lose sight when we use Jesus as something that enters into our world or he enters into our heart, and we lose the sense <coughs> that we are entering into his world. We are entering into his mission. We are entering into his, uh, his, his relationship so that we continue on in the very same things that God had sent Jesus to do. Look what Paul picks up the same idea. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. You see this continuality of Christ doing this work of reconciliation, bringing people back to God. And he only could do that because of the, the, the mission that he went on to be able to go to the cross and to die and to then rise again three days later. But yet in that, he then entrusts us, which is the wildest concept that we can really fathom and think through, that God would entrust us with carrying on the ministry. Now, again, we got to process this. We got to see this from a, <coughs> a full scope of Scripture. This does not make us saviors. This does not make us the heroes of the story. This does not make us the ones that, you know, have all the right answers and we have all the right things and everything we do is wonderful. We know throughout the counsel of Scripture that, that, that humanity is not that way, and we fall into that category. Peter and Paul and, and, and David and, <coughs> and Moses, Abraham, all these great individuals that we list, they all fall, they all fail, they all fall short. Yet they still are entrusted with carrying on this mission of pointing people back to, to who Jesus is. And so we <coughs> continue this on, in this day and age, even now, 2023. So the, 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 the question isn't, well, you know, it, you know yesterday or, or, or 10 years ago or 50 years ago, it was so much better or everything was so much better because, you know, the society was better. Well, we can have all those different ideas and opinions, but it doesn't matter because of today is this continuing on this mission that God has called us to this day and time. And we are to, 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 to learn how to do this in a way that missionaries and people that have gone on mission for uh, hundreds of years have learned how to do it, to, to, and to go into a culture and to learn their ways and their customs and their language and then to speak truth into that. It stays the same today. Yet as we think about this, as we process this, we have to recognize that there is a natural urge when we feel worried or anxious or threatened or fearful to, to move inward. And Jesus wouldn't pray for them to, to have this mission. Jesus wouldn't pray for them to understand the same mission that they have is the same mission that he had, that it's a continuation of what God sent the Son to do. It's what the church is continuing to do. If there wasn't something that would try to pull us away from that. And we all feel that, right? 
We all love to, to, to kind of lock the doors, put the windows up, or, 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 or you know, kind of barricade the foxhole. We like to, to, to bring our closest people the closest whenever things happen. And yet, in, in, in this sense, what God is calling us to do is to, to go and, and, to, and to continue to push and move forward. And so we got to recognize this inward pull is against what God says. And, and when you think about all this prayer, you recognize all this stuff. When Jesus talks about joy earlier, he was saying our joy should be <coughs> a reflection because of his joy. When he talks about sanctifying, our sanctification should be a process of his sanctification. When we looked about unity and, and, and all these things, it's all this continuation. So when we think about, okay, I want to, you know, uh, the world's all kind of getting scary and difficult, and the world's not like how it should be, and, and, and we want to pull things in, we have to recognize that's not what Christ did. And I have this new orientation, and so I need to follow in his way, just like I follow in his way with joy and truth and unity. All these things that we can't disconnect that connection. We don't have that luxury. That's not an option on the table. It's not good enough for us to say, well, you know what, good luck, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to sit back and just kind of you know, sit around and sip my tea while I watch the world burn. We are, we are called into mission in a ministry of reconciliation. Now, again, don't get me wrong. There are some times and some wisdom where you have to let consequences and you have to let people make choices and, and let their choices go. I'm not saying you're here to fix everything and make everything better. But at the same time, we can't just sit around and just say, well, good luck. We have to have this concept that we continue in the same ministry that Jesus did as he was called or he was sent forth by God. You see, this disconnect is easy for us because <clears throat> sometimes we talk about joy and then we don't really have much joy in our lives. And then we talk about reconciliation to God and someone's looking and saying, well, why would I be reconciled to God? There's no evidence or joy in your life. Like this, this full prayer continues on. In fact, you can even think about take love at a mission. And then we have kind of that imperialism where uh, we just go around and just try to make everybody just be who we are, just everyone uh, under our control. And so we, the, the, all this kind of separation or think about taking holiness away from love and, and there's no setting apart. There's no cure that ails. All this prayer that Jesus is praying is all part of the mission we are to go forth with. We are to go forth with recognizing this is God's glory. This is, this is for joy and unity and holiness. And we set forth on mission. We're going to talk about a second in love. And all this, we bring all this forth as we go. And we live out on mission. You see, <clears throat> in this, we take into the idea that we enter into Jesus and we take his yoke. You know, if you've come here and you think that, well, I'm just doing my part by just showing up, or I'm doing my part just by learning and, and, and understanding more of who God is, then, then to make that complete, we take on his yoke and we follow him in this way. And the beauty of that, Jesus tells us his yoke was what? It was easy. His yoke was easy. Well, you say, how can that be possible? It's because we're just simply following Jesus and trusting him as he is leading the way and being sent forth. Verse 23 continues, says, I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one 
so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Again, this is all connected to God the Father in the way that his relationship to the Son and to the Holy Spirit and then into the church and to the disciples and all these things. And it's a continuation. And so as you loved me, they will know that you are, they are loved. This means that God's love is the same measure and exercised the same way as his love of Christ. When we say to people, God loves you, he loves you as he loved Jesus. And I don't think we think about God's love enough. I really don't think we do. We say it because we were taught as little kids, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. But we don't look in the mirror and see our own reflection and think about how much God loves us. God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. That's how much he loves you. How do we know the extent of this love? Well, just use the greatest verse that is told everywhere, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. That indicates the world, everyone in the world. God so loved them that he gave his only one son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John, or 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only does God tell us he loves us, he showed us he loved us. And I wonder why this is so hard for us to accept. Why is this so difficult for us to, to grasp the reality and the truth of this? And I'm not telling you just intellectually grasp it, but to actually feel this. God loves you. He loves you with the same love that he loves Jesus. He loves the world that he gave his only son, that he demonstrated by yet while you were still sinners, he died for us. And when you look in the mirror and you see that reflection back, that God loves you. One of the things I love to talk about in premarital counseling, and I've shared this before, but I, I want us to keep grasping this thing, is that marriage is a beautiful picture of God's love for Israel and Jesus' love for the church, and it's the future that we have coming for us. And the, one of the greatest moments that we recognize that, I believe, is when the bride walks down the aisle and the groom is standing there and looking at the bride. That the whole world could be burning. The whole world could be, could be in complete chaos, but nothing would take the eyes off the groom of watching the bride come down. I joked around about it because in, in my own wedding, my, my brothers, being who they are, brothers, you know, they do dumb things, had little squirt guns and were squirting me while uh, everyone was looking at the bride coming down. <coughs> but my eyes wouldn't be taken off of my bride coming down. Actually helped a little bit because it looked like I was crying, but anyways, that's a different story. <laughs> but this is how God loves us. This is how he sees us. Now I could spend hours with you in counseling and you could tell me all the reasons why you're different. And we could spend all that time talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And at the end, I'll still smile back at you and say, God loves you. 
He loves you. You see, I think there's something missing within that, within the church. I don't think we fully feel it. I don't think we do. We say it, but we don't feel it and know it. Because if we felt it and we knew it, we would have the security and the identity and the value and the freedom from it. And you would know that these things are so rare within our society right now. And you would know it because of the love that Christ has given to us, because the love that the Father has given to the Son is the same. And you would just embrace that and know that, that even though I am a screw-up and a failure and I've disappointed and I've let people down and I have all these warts and ugliness and wounds, yet He still loves me. He still loves me with the same love that He has for His own Son. been reading a, a gentleman. His name is Jason Wilson. Um, he uh, is an uh, African-American man in Detroit that has, uses MMA as a way to reach young men. He has a, a special on ESPN, a really uh, pretty powerful guy. Uh, he wrote a book called Battle Cry. And in there he said, aggressively yelling at angry fatherless boy is like attempting to stitch up a wound without a needle but no thread. Nowadays, you'll be hard-pressed to find a scared straight program because discipline without love is ineffectual. Our boys need to be healed, not scared straight. I love that thought because I remember in the 90s, early 2000s, all these scared straight programs. And what he's basically saying is you, haven't fa- you won't find any more because they're not effective. And what he says over and over again is that it's because there is a, a, a wounding that needs to be healed through, through affection and love that can only come through God. And oftentimes, I, I, I think a lot of our own issues in the church are because we're living a life thinking God is trying to scare us straight instead of realizing his love is here to heal us. And reconcile us back to himself. And then give us the ministry to go forth and reconcile the world. I think if we really could, could, could meditate just on that thought. Man, things would change. I was joking with Glenn back there. He was asking if my PowerPoint was in this morning and it wasn't. And I said, well, that means you have to preach, Glenn. He said it'd be a really short prayer or a really short sermon. I think we can make this really short too by just meditating on the love that God has for us and reconciling us back to himself. And his same love that he has for his son is for us. And what could that do if we allow that to heal us? If we allow that to make us whole, if we allow us to, to, to have that security and, and identity and value and worth and then the freedom that can come from it. This is what he's praying for us. This is what matters to Jesus. He's praying for this. And yet there's this consequence of this such the love because it's not just about us. As he goes on in this prayer, he says, Father, I desire that you also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Uh, Again, same theme, same things. You see this over and again. But yet the love had beginning from the very beginning. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and those that you have sent me. 
I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And so this love continues, and it continues in our mission as we (laughs) reconcile the world to themselves. This final mark is as the same love as Christ loves, as love the world. You could say that the last thing he says in this prayer is because he wants it to be the thing that sticks the most. Now, I'm not sure that that means the others are lesser. I don't want to say that, but I think it emphasizes how valuable that this love is the core, the glue that holds it all together. We ask ourselves this question, well, how do we love better? What can we do? Well, let me give you a few thoughts here real quick. First, we must enter in. The whole idea of Jesus is an incarnation type mindset that he came to us. And so we must think through, I must enter in to other worlds. I don't know what that may be because we all have unique situations. We all have unique surroundings. Some of you work in, in, in places where you can easily enter in. Some of you don't have those, but you have other subcultures and connections through hobbies or through other things or maybe a network of, uh, of neighborhoods or, or, or maybe you just are a person that just loves to walk around and just talk to people and strangers. I don't, I don't know what your unique situation's gifting is, but we all must have that mindset that it's not about my life and my world, but it's about me going and entering in. And so that mindset begins all of a sudden. I can't enter in into another world or another person's existence or issues if maybe I <coughs> haven't even worked through my own. Some things I talk a lot about is it's difficult to, to help someone else's crisis when you're going through your own crisis yourself. And so maybe you need to just stop and say, I, I, I need to sit with, with this love that God has for me. I need to sit with the, the holiness that God was talking about last week when, when Ryan was preaching. Or maybe I need to sit and think about the unity and the glory of God that we talked about two weeks ago. Maybe there's some things that you just need to sit with for a while. But you only sit with them for a while because you recognize that I am called to enter in. The end result is that you are to be sent to be in mission. And it's an entering in. And as we go, and how do we <coughs> love better? We enter into people's worlds. We, we have to slow down and listen in that. That our, our, our world is moving so fast and so quick, and nobody's listening to anybody, that when you enter into someone's world, you don't enter in to, to fix it. You enter in just to say, I'm entering in because this is the, the ministry. This is the, this is the continuation of what Christ did. And I'm going to slow down with you and I'm going to listen. And one of the skills that we have to develop, I believe, in this day and age is better listening skills. Not just speaking and talking, not just winning arguments, but better listening. Most of what people talk about is not what they really are talking about. Most of what people talk about, there's something underneath the surface. There's, there, there's, there's something there that, that if we begin to slow down and just listen, 
we might begin to hear what they really are afraid of or scared of or what they are unsure of or, or, or what they're asking by, by, by listening better in that. And then the third part about how do we love better? We just have a servant's heart. Realize that this prayer is, a, is really a moment in time that began all the way back in John chapter 13 when, when Jesus had the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, Jesus showed and demonstrated his love for the disciples by washing their feet. Having loved his own, he were in the world, he showed them the full extent of his love. And then verse 14, Jesus concluded, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another's feet. What was Jesus demonstrating? He was demonstrating that the, the heart of love is a heart of serving one another. And again, we have to find the uniqueness and the ways that we can serve the world around us. Now, again, I'm not saying we do everything that the world wants. I'm not saying we just throw out because this prayer is talking about truth and holiness. This prayer is talking about God's glory. There's all those elements. We're, we're, don't just hear one little part of it and just throw out everything else. But, but there has to be a thought where we say, I am here to serve. As Jesus said, I came to this world not to be served, but to serve then we have to think, how can I serve the world around me in love with a listening heart and enter into their world as I continue on the ministry of reconciliation, telling the world that God loves them, that Jesus died for their sin and they can be united with him, that anyone can get in on this deal. That no one is so far gone that they can't be redeemed and, and won back by the love of God. And if they doubt that, if they are unsure of that, they can look at the example of our own lives. Because I have to come to the realization that God loves me. And he gave up his life. And that whom would ever believe in him should have eternal life. This is the same prayer that God is praying or that Jesus, sorry, is praying for us even in this moment. That we, the church, would be on mission and would love in the same way that God had loved his son, Jesus. Jesus.